Well, as we continue this series on spiritual disciplines, I invite you to take your copy of God's Word, open it to John chapter 4, and uh, we're going to talk about fasting today. I announced that last week that uh, I would be preaching on fasting today, and I can't think of a topic that uh, would probably probably be the, the least, the, the topic that would be the, the, the least possible draw of a crowd. So for those of you who knew I was preaching on fasting today and you chose to show up, thank you for that. Uh, there are certain topics that you can promote and people are like, yes, I can't wait to hear that topic. Uh, typically, fasting is not one of them. Fasting is really really is not talked about a lot in churches, should be. Uh, I dare say that many of you probably have never heard a full-length sermon on fasting, but this is an important spiritual discipline uh, that we're going to talk about it today. Glad to have a lot of our uh, college students back with us, and uh, always glad that, yeah, Wings, I love, love having you guys back, and I know next week, let's see, school starts this week, right? Officially this week, and so next week I'll probably have, uh, have even more college students back, and hopefully y'all's room will be okay and won't smell like paint, and y'all will be able to be there next week, but always good to see that pew full. And uh, man, how about, uh, how about these baptisms this morning? I mean, I am super excited about what we're seeing happening take place in our student ministry and uh, just really excited to see uh, what, God, uh, what God is doing there. Okay, fasting. Uh, listen, this is hard, okay? This is hard. All the spiritual disciplines take discipline, but fasting is quite possibly going to be one of the hardest things that you're going to have to embrace. It takes effort. And one of the reasons is that in our culture, we have an overabundance of food. There are 19 restaurants within walking distance that are just, just on Willow Avenue right here between McDonald's, Jackson Street, and all the way up to uh, uh, Tennessee Tech, 12th Street. Just the restaurants that are immediately off of Willow Avenue between those two streets. There are 19 restaurants. There is so much, yeah, listen, this is why I already saying amen. Uh, there's so much food around here. If I were to come to your house, I guarantee you I could find in your pantry, I could find spoiled food. Food that you, play, you paid good money for, but for whatever reason you didn't feel like eating that food secondhand or for whatever reason it just got left there. More than likely, most of us put enough food down our disposals and our sink to where we could sustain the life of a malnourished person in a third world country. Do you know that in America, our caloric intake per person is higher than any other nation except Belgium? I don't know, go figure, big fatties. And now, the, speaking of caloric intake, the recommended caloric intake for an American male is about 2,500 calories. The recommended caloric intake for, um, for an American female is about 2,000 calories. Yet we average, as American, an individual caloric intake of about 3,600 calories. That's, that's a lot, especially when you think about averages. We are a culture of food. We have so much food, and we think about food. We plan our lives around food. I mean, even Cookville is known for this wonderful thing called a Ralph's Donut. Uh, Southern Baptists, I mean, how much do we talk about that gospel bird, that fried chicken, right? 
And don't even get me started on my personal street cred when it comes to bacon. I mean, we are a people that we love food. We talk about food. Everything is about food, and we use food not just because we're hungry, but we use food also because maybe we're bored or we just want to comfort ourselves. And so I say all of that about this overabundance and preoccupation that we tend to have with food. I bring that up because the idea of fasting, the idea of going without food for any reason in our culture is, is, is something that we typically just are not interested in doing. But yet this discipline of fasting, I believe is so important. I believe can be such a significant benefit to you if you will learn to do it and discipline yourself to do it. I, I believe it's worthy of us, of us being able to talk about it. So I wanna read a passage this morning. This is gonna be one passage in many passages that I'm gonna read. I'm not just gonna stick with one verse, one, one set of verses today, but this is a passage where Jesus went without some, uh, some food on a regular basis or, or just on a regular pattern for the sake of doing God's work. So stand with me as we read John chapter 4. And in John chapter 4, this of course was Jesus talking with the woman at the well. He said some great things about salvation, some great things about worship. But there's a section here that we can kind of miss if we're not careful. Um, and, uh, and, and so I want to read it to you. Of course, also, let me back up. Uh, the disciples, the reason that he was able to talk to this woman at the well uninterrupted because the disciples had gone to buy food. They were out of food. And, uh, and then as this story continues and, and Jesus talked to her, the disciples get back, Jesus goes and he talks, to, um, he talks to the townspeople and evidently there was a significant passing of time. And so the disciples came up to him in verse 31 and they said, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Father, I pray that today you would bless the reading of your word. I pray, God, that you would just use this sermon to help all of us to be more disciplined spiritually in many ways, but particularly, God, this, this discipline of fasting. Lord, I know it's, it's countercultural. I know, Lord, that, that, that for us, that some of us, it might seem odd. Show us, Lord, open our eyes to your word today. Help us to seek you more earnestly and more diligently. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So obviously Jesus fasted, he abstained from food, and this is one of those particular instances where the Bible doesn't use the word fasting, uh, but we know that he was not taking food on a regular schedule, on a regular basis during this particular instance. That's why, you know, the disciples came up to him and said, Rabbi, you need to, you need to eat something. Uh, so Jesus often neglected many comforts of life. Um, he told one guy, he said, the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to, to lay his head. Uh, he often went without sleep so that he could practice the spiritual disciplines. Uh, he would get up early in the morning and would go off and pray. The Bible says that sometimes he would spend all night praying. In other words, he wouldn't sleep uh, and he would pray. 
And so this idea of fasting, it didn't originate with Jesus. It's something that God's people have done all the way back uh, in, into the Old Testament and up to present day. Let me give you a definition of fasting just so we're kind of clear as to what we're talking about here. Uh, Christian fasting, I want to distinguish Christian fasting from maybe other reasons that we would go without food. There are, are many reasons that we would go without food, but Christian fasting is when we voluntarily abstain from food. And I think that's important to note. We can't force fasting on someone and expect them to have, receive a spiritual benefit. We voluntarily abstain from food and for a limited time. You see, I hope you read your Bible and pray all the time. Uh, but fasting is something that's just done for a limited amount of time, and it's always done for a Christ-centered purpose. There has to be a purpose behind fasting, and that purpose has to be Christ-centered. It can't be uh, for, uh, for a medical purpose or anything, anything like that. The reason I give you this definition, and, and, and I, I wrote this specifically uh, to kind of help you understand where I'm coming from, this, this definition basically tells us what we do, why we do it, how we do it, and who is to be the focus while we're doing it. And so the first thing that I want to emphasize from this definition is that Christian fasting has to be done for a spiritual reason. Uh, more specifically, not just, not just any spiritual reason, because there are some religious groups that fast. Uh, Christian fasting needs to be for a Christ-centered purpose, for something that is specifically going to benefit your connection with Jesus. In other words, it has something to do with your relationship with God. And so it has to be focused, uh, focused on Him. Now we know, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of you have fasted for medical purposes. So maybe you had a physical coming up, there was a certain test that you had to take, and the doctor said, oh, by the way, uh, no food uh, the night before. And that whole night before, you were like, oh, I can't eat. You know, my family's eating steak, and I'm, oh, I'm so hungry. You get up in the morning, you can't go get your, you know, your, your biscuit from Chick-fil-A, and you're just, you're just grumpy, you know. And uh, so all of us have probably done that. Or maybe, uh, maybe you've had a surgery or something like that. I guarantee you that some of you have fasted for physical benefits, for benefits of, of exercise, uh, whether it be some type of inner, inner how do you say, it? intermittent, inter, intermittent, did I say that right? Intermittent fasting is one of the, some of the things that, that uh, some people do. Uh, that's not for a spiritual purpose. Um, that's for a purpose uh, uh, of health. And uh, some of you will do a diet that will get you off of your regular, normal routine of eating and will put you on a different, more limited routine of eating. Well, that's, that's dieting. That's not necessarily fasting. And so I really want really to distinguish between abstaining from food for all types of other reasons and fasting. When we use the word fasting, we want to make sure that we as Christians attach it to a Christian biblical purpose. And I know that we might still say, well, I have to fast because I have a medical procedure. But we want to be real careful to use that word, fasting, to attach it to something that is Christian in nature. And it may lead you, so I, I think we understand while we would abstain from food for a medical reason, for a health reason. But why would we abstain 
from food for a spiritual reason. I mean, what's spiritual about not eating? And some of us would think, I don't know, not much. I definitely don't want there to be anything spiritual about not eating. But what is spiritual about not eating? And so uh, the best way that we can do that is look at what the Bible says about why people in the Bible fasted. I don't have time to look at every instance of fasting in the Bible. I just, just don't have time to do that. But let me comment on this. And I'm going to show you some of these scriptures in a minute. In almost every instance of fasting in Scripture, there was this internal angst for God. People were desperate or people were sorrowful or they were repentant or they were earnestly seeking God with such intensity that they inflicted themselves by not eating. They intentionally made themselves hungry so as to heighten their their sensitivity towards God. And this angst before God, this is at the core of fasting. It's at the core of possibly what motivates you to fast. You just have have this desperation inside of you for something, and you need God to speak so desperately. Or either you feel empty inside, and you say, God, I need you. I need to have an angst for you. Let's look at some of these instances where we see that the people of God had a desperation and an angst for him. Israel in Judges chapter 20, they were in between battles. They weren't doing too well. And they just implored God. They just went before God and begged him for help. Moses, Moses fasted as he received the Ten Commandments. You might not have ever caught that from Scripture before. It's easy to just kind of blow right past But when Moses needed to hear from God, and whenever he went into the presence of God in an intense way, he fasted. He didn't eat, and he didn't drink. Israel fasted. The whole nation fasted because they were sorrowful that their king had died. Now, uh, there's a whole story behind that, but it it was a sad day in the nation, and they all fasted collectively. David fasted. He had a son that was dying. And you can imagine how much sorrow that would bring upon a person. He had had an indiscretion with Bathsheba and uh, the the child that they conceived as a result of that indiscretion was dying. And David fasted. He neglected sleep. He neglected food. He went off by himself and he just cried out to God. Ahab, quite possibly the evilest king in Scripture, He received a word of judgment from a prophet, and he was so sorry over his sin that he fasted before God. 
Daniel fasted as he received a vision of the end times. Ezra fasted when he needed uh, protection and help in rebuilding Jerusalem. Esther fasted during a critical moment when she had to go before the king, even risking her life. Nehemiah, he fasted. He heard the bad news about Israel, and he wanted to do something about it. But before he sprang into action, he stopped, and he fasted, and he prayed before God. The psalmist, one of the psalmists even fasted whenever other people were sick so that they might be healed. The pagan peoples of Nineveh fasted. Whenever they heard the gospel, they fasted in repentance. Early believers fasted, and I'm glad that they did. One time when they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Hey, anoint Saul, who became the apostle Paul, and Barnabas for the work that I have for them. And Paul himself even is said to have fasted uh, before, he, uh, before he selected elders. Jesus fasted. Y'all know when the Bible specifically says that Jesus fasted? During one of the hardest spiritual battles that he would face, he fasted right before he was tempted of the devil. This, this scene of Man fighting Satan is replayed by Jesus, uh, a, a scene that we see in the early pages of Scripture whenever Adam and Eve lost this battle of temptation. Jesus, as now the Son of Man, he is tempted by the devil, and rather than, than, than getting his fill and getting fed and getting ready in that way, he fasted in preparation for what would quite possibly be one of, the, one of the hardest spiritual battles that he would face with temptation. Not to mention that he was about to start his three-year ministry right here. These are important things, and all of them, every single one of them, every single one of them in Scripture involves people with an angst for God, people desperately calling out for God. You know, I believe this is one of the reasons that we don't see fasting a lot in our culture. This is, we're not as desperate for God as they were. That's, that, that has to be the only reason. We are not as desperate as people were in the first century, as people were in, in, in Old Testament times. We just don't have that level of desperation. We're just not crying out to God like they were. If we did, we would fast. We need to recover that angst for God so that we won't be lukewarm. Okay, so some of you might say, what will fasting do for me? I just want to give you my personal experience from fasting. I mean, there are some places in Scripture where we could say that were results of a fast, but for me personally, these are just some things that I can tell you that fasting has done for me, per, for me personally. And really this first thing states it, I guess, in summation. It gives me a more intense spiritual focus. I mean, usually whenever I read the Word, I try to be focused. Usually whenever I pray, um, when I worship, I try to be focused. But whenever I combine that with fasting... There's something about whenever I'm fasting, whenever I read the Word of God, I just have greater clarity. There's something about prayer that whenever, I, whenever I'm fasting, I, I, can just, I can just pray more thoroughly. 
And the interesting thing is I don't read more Scripture whenever I'm fasting. I tend to read Scripture more deeply and more intently. When I'm fasting, I don't tend to pray necessarily longer prayers, um, although I pray more often whenever I'm fasting. I, I don't have a tendency to pray about more things whenever I'm fasting, but my prayer life there's, there, there's it's, it's just a depth to it when I'm fasting that I just don't usually under normal circumstances have. I can just see life more, when I fast, personally me, Scott Parkinson, when I fast, I can just see life more clearly. I look around at creation or I look out around at the systems of the world and I, I, things just become more in perspective. When I look at my own life, When I'm fasting, it's almost as if it exposes the things that are really important to me in life. If you're like me, you can tend to get involved in all types of things and give all types of energy and attention to all types of things in this world. But when I fast and when I slow down, when I focus on God, it's almost my heart is exposed before God in a way that I can see the things that are really important to me and the people that I really truly love. And the, the, the things that I really want to do in life. And the things that are really important to me. But also, it exposes those thoughts, those attitudes, and those desires inside of me that are evil and that are sinful. That I may not see in a regular course of life. And that I may be trying to cover up with food or with addictions or with, uh, or with any type of sinfulness or whatever it might be. And we have a ten- most addictions, by the way, most addictions that we have are an attempt to cover up those things inside of us that we don't want to deal with. But even when, even, when that's not, even when you don't have a sinful addiction, there can be thoughts and attitudes and sinful desires inside of you that you just don't see unless you just have a real spiritual focus about you. And it just helps me to search for God's will. When I need to make a big decision or, 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 or when something bad has happened and I need to know what to do. These are the things that for me personally and more that fasting does for me. When I fast, I have harder cries. I have deeper joys. I make stronger, more firm decisions. I have a clearer direction about my life. And my prayers are just, they're just more fervent. So this is what fasting does for me personally. And I, I don't want to overpromise, but I think if these are some things that you just have an angst for, these are some things that you would just say, man, I, I wish I could pray better. I wish I could understand Scripture more. I, I, I'm making a big decision. I need to know what to do. If you have an angst for these things, I, I think that these things could happen in your life as well if, if, if you fasted. But here's something that I have to tell you. If you're going to fast, if you're going to fast, you must, you absolutely must combine fasting with the other core primary spiritual disciplines. If you fast and don't read your Bible and pray, then you're, you're just, here's, I've, never, I've never done that before, but I can just imagine if I fasted for a spiritual reason, but I didn't pray and read my Bible, I would find myself with this 
with this unfulfilled spiritual sensitivity. I would, make my, I would cause myself to be sensitive before God, but I would never fill it with any answers. I would never fill my heart with any joy. I would, never, I would never find any of those things that I listed on that previous screen. You must combine fasting with spiritual disciplines. Here's some instances in Scripture where, for example, in Judges, they combined fasting with making offerings. Uh, David, he combined fasting with neglecting sleep and staying up all night in solitude. Ezra says he fasted and he implored God. Nehemiah fasted and prayed. The psalmist, he fasted and prayed. Early believers worshiped and fasted. Paul, again, says he fasted and prayed. And if you want to talk about a spiritual discipline that is listed alongside fasting more than anything else, it's prayer. If you fast but don't pray, you are missing the whole point. You see, you can pray and not fast, but I don't know how you can fast and not combine it with prayer. So if you decide, okay, fasting is for me, I have an angst for God, there's something that's happened or something's coming up, and this is for me, I want to give this a try, you need to make sure that when you fast, you combine it with all of the other spiritual disciplines. You might not do this with reading your Bible. You might read your Bible and pray at another time. You might pray and read your Bible at a different time. But when you fast, you have to dump in all of the other spiritual disciplines uh, 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 to, uh, to complement it. So, here's how you do it, practically. Here's how you plan a fast. Number one, number one, you fast with a specific purpose in mind. You have to have a purpose for why you're doing this. You don't necessarily have to have that with reading your Bible. If I catch you reading your Bible, I don't come up to you and say, why are you reading your Bible? Or if you're praying, I don't come up to you and say, hey, what's, what's going on? Why, aren't, why are you praying? If you show up for church, if you show up for worship, we don't look at you and say, what, what are you doing here? I mean, what's, what's going on that you would show up in worship? If you start tithing and start giving, we don't say, hey, why do you do that? But fasting needs to be done with a purpose. Fasting is a temporary, radical action that you are going to take because there is an angst for God in your soul, and you need to focus more intently upon the spiritual disciplines. And even if you don't tell other, well, first off, fasting is supposed to be in private. We're not looking at that verse today. That's another sermon for another day. We looked at that last week. Jesus said, don't look somber. Don't announce to people that you're fasting. But you may not tell people why you're fasting, but you need to know what it is that you're trying to accomplish whenever you're fasting. And if you don't know, just go back through that list of scriptures that I gave you. All those reasons that people fasted in scripture and more are good reasons for you to fast. You're probably not going to fast every week. It could be that you're not going to fast every month. But this is going to be something that's going to be regular, although not as regular as some of your other spiritual disciplines. So you need to have a purpose for it. What is the purpose for why I am doing this? And can I just say this? If you never have a reason to fast, you just, you just never have a reason that you're 
desperate for God? Either you're not living the life like the rest of us are living where there's tragedy and hardship and difficulty, or either you just don't have an angst for God in your soul. You just don't have a desperate craving for Him that, that would drive you to this. If, if you're the kind of person who would say, I, I just don't really see a need for this, you, you, really ought to, you really ought to consider, do I really have that passion and drive for God? But if you want to do this, and if you feel led to do this, have a purpose. And number two, you've got to choose a method. You have to choose a fasting method. Every instance in Scripture of fasting was from food. I think the proper way for us to use that term Fasting is in a Christian way, I'm, I'm abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. Now listen, I know that in Scripture, we're told to abstain from all types of things. Well, even in 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul told married couples to abstain from sex for a certain period of time so that they could focus on prayer. He doesn't call it fasting, but I guess you could loosely say maybe, maybe that's fasting. I've encouraged you before, and I've used this word, to, uh, to fast from your cell phones. Some of you have said, I'm, I'm fasting from social media or, or all types of entertainment. Uh, myself being a hobby junkie, sometimes I have to fast from my hobbies. Uh, there was a point in, in my life years ago where I was exercising so much, I felt like I had, had made an idol of it, and so I actually fasted from exercising. I know you can't tell by looking at me, but I used to work out a lot. Um, I had, I said, you know, everything revolved around that. Every, everything in my life revolved around me getting in my workout. And so I had to fast from it. Those things are fine. Those things are fine. And that may be a good start. And, uh, and I would say, listen, if there's things in your life that have gotten too big, it's totally fine to say, I'm going to abstain from them for a season. And if you want to use the word fasting, that's fine. I've done that in the past and may in the future. But strictly speaking, biblically speaking, fasting is from food. Some of you might say, medically, I can't do that. So just know that I'm not, I'm not talking to those of you who medically can't do that. But how do you fast from food? Choose a method. And here's the three primary methods of fasting. Three basic methods. The first is a partial fast. And when I say partial fast, I mean you're, you're, you're fasting from water, you're, excuse me, you're fasting from solid food, you're drinking water, but you're also adding juice with it. There are certain times that you might say, I have to have some juice in order to accomplish the fast. This is really a, a partial fast. This is a good place to start. A 24-hour partial fast where you miss two meals is a good baby step. It's, it, it's, it's a good way to kind of introduce yourself to fasting. And what you do on a 24-hour fast, and listen, let me also say this, you can structure it in different ways. I'm just trying to give you a, a, an, easy, an, an easy way to organize it, okay? Uh, a 24-hour fast would be where you eat lunch, and then you eat lunch again the day after. So you've gone 24 hours and you've skipped two meals. When you feel like that you've accomplished that, you can bump it up to 36 hours. An example of that would be 
you eat dinner, the last meal of the day, the following day you skip all three meals, you go to bed, you wake up the, the next day, and you have breakfast. So you missed three full meals in one day. That's a 36-hour fast. If you can do a 36-hour fast, more than likely, you, you, will, you will begin to realize, I can do this three days or longer. And you can do a partial fast like that. Now listen, if you're going to do a partial fast, please don't go to Smoothie King and get a 500-calorie drink every meal. That, that, just, that just doesn't count, okay? One glass of juice will give you about 115 calories. One glass of orange juice will give you about 115 calories and, or, or something like that. And that'll give you about 300, 350 calories for a day. Some of you might be in a situation where you say, I've got to do a partial fast. But what I want to point you to, I want to point you to this regular fast. A regular fast is where you drink water only. You are not going to get any calories whatsoever. All you are going to do is drink water. Try this for 24 hours. Then do it for 36 hours. And I want to give you a goal. I want to give you a target. Three days, a three-day regular fast. A three-day regular fast is a good target goal. Some of you might say, I could start there. Some of you might say, I know my body, I'm disciplined enough, I can start there, and, uh, and that'd be great. And then from there, you can, you can move up to longer than three days. Now, this third method, I, 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 hes I hesitated even to mention it because I don't want all my... my my people that are involved in the medical profession just to totally freak out that I would recommend people to go without water. But then I thought to myself, I mean, how desperate are we for God? I mean, there may be some desperate, me desperate situations where we want to we take some desperate measures. Now, you have to keep in mind the rule of threes. You can only go about three minutes without oxygen. You can only go about three days without water. You can only go about three weeks without food. So that gives you an idea about how long you could do a regular fast. That gives you an idea about how long you could do an absolute fast. I mean, you conceivably could stretch out a regular fast up to three weeks. I've never done that. Um, you could stretch out an absolute fast out to three days. I've, I've never done that either. But you've got to know, you, you have to say, you have, you have to talk to the Lord and say, God, I want to plan this fast. I have an angst for you. Show me, God, what I'm capable of doing. Show me what I can do to focus on you more intently. And number three, this is the last, the last part about planning your, planning your fasting. Number three, you have to consider your calendar, your lifestyle, and your responsibilities. If you play center for Tennessee Tech football, a fast during football season is probably not, probably not going to be an option, right? You have to consider your lifestyle. This would not be the time for me to do a regular fast. I have all these workouts throughout the day. No amount of juice is going to give me what I need in order to make it through all the practices, all the workouts, and everything that I have to do. 
But for some of you, it might be your job. You might have a physically demanding job. If you frame houses and you're lifting trusses up and you're nailing and you work outside in the heat, you have to take your lifestyle into consideration before you would do a regular fast and maybe even a juice fast. Um, you may have some important family things coming up. Maybe every year around Thanksgiving you have 50 people over at your house. Not a good time for you to step back and say, oh, I'm fasting. You know, Jesus might would have something to say, say about, about that. Um, but you have to, you have to look at your, yourself physically, your social calendar, your vocation, uh, your domestic responsibilities, and, and you have to decide when is the best time for me to do this so that it will be the most successful. So fasting takes a little bit of planning. That's not like reading your Bible. You just pick up your Bible and you start reading. Anytime's good. Prayer, anytime's good. Just, just do it, right? Every day, as many times a day, do it. But when it comes to fasting, you have to have a plan. You have to have a purpose. You have to have a method. And you have to consider your calendar. I think some of you are sitting there thinking, man, I don't know about all this going without food stuff. Some of you are probably sitting there thinking, man, I'm having trouble just reading my Bible and praying consistently. Let me tell you, fasting is not for the advanced Christian. Fasting, fasting is, is for all of us at any time. And I hope that you will seriously take this consideration. And I just leave you with this question. Are you hungry for God? Jesus said that he had a nourishment, something that nourished him. That, that was better than food. There was a passage that I read this morning. And I remember reading a long time. Don't have it for the screen. But it was Job. Job said, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. You know what it's like to go without food? That hangry feeling that you get inside of you where all you can do is just think about food. It's almost noon. Some of you are already thinking about food. Some of you, you won't get three steps out that door before it's like, where are we going to eat? You know what it's like to be hungry physically for food. Are you hungry for God? Are you hungry for Him? I mean, this, this is the greatest sign, the number one indicator that you are in fact born again is that you have an appetite for the things of God. It's not your knowledge. You can know all the right things, and it, 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 it might not indicate your salvation one bit. You can say all the right things. You can do all the right things. But unless you have an appetite for God deep in your heart and deep in your soul, something insatiable inside of you that only Christ can feel, unless that's happening inside of you, you're probably not born again. Unless you would say, my heart is for God. It doesn't matter about your mind and your speech and the way that you live. If it's not true in your soul, it's not true. 
I wonder how, how, do you, how do you need to respond to God today? Are you hungering for God? Maybe some of you today would say, I, I used to have that. I used to have that hunger for Him, but I've just covered it up with so many things. Maybe you should fast and uncover some things in your life so that you can be restored to that passion for God. Maybe some of you would say, I've never really had an appetite for God. Maybe an interest. Maybe I've been involved passing in religion, you know, in passing. Maybe I've come in and out of church a little bit. Maybe I've even learned a little bit, read the Bible some. But as far as have a yearning and a passion in my soul for the things of God and for Jesus, no, I don't think I love him like that. Maybe you need to pray to be saved today. Why don't we respond? Let's stand together. Let's respond. Let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. And I want you to practice the spiritual discipline of prayer right now. Don't worry about anybody beside you. I want you to pray to God right now. And I want you to ask Him where you are spiritually. Are you born again? And those baptisms that we had, those two baptisms that we had today, they're meant, they're done publicly to be a testimony to you who might not be saved. The reason we do baptisms like we do, the reason we don't go hide in a creek somewhere is so that as many people can see it as possible so that you who are not saved could look at that and say, hey, I need that. I need Jesus. Friend, if that's you today, don't leave this place. Don't leave this place without knowing your eternal destiny. Would you just call out to Jesus right now, just right where you're seated, in prayer to him. Just say, Jesus, save me. I need you. Create that appetite in my heart for you. I want to hunger for you. You're number one. Maybe the Holy Spirit has already started to create that hunger inside of you. God's been at work in you. God's been doing something inside of you. You know it. You sense it. You feel it. But you haven't yielded to it yet. You haven't surrendered to it yet. You haven't given up. That's where you are today. Just give up. Just give up. Just surrender. Just say, God, I am all yours. And call on Jesus to save you. And for the rest of us here today, I want you to pray about doing a fast. If anyone would like to come to the altar and kneel down before the Lord and just pray, please feel free to do that. You take this time, you take these moments, you talk to the Lord, you respond how He commands you.